0: Doom Patrol, Negative Man, Elastigirl,
1: Robot Man. Someone wants the Doom Patrol reunited. Your every word and action is being broadcast across the planet. Now, Monsieur Mala!
0: Well done, my Doom Patrol. Well done. It is too late for you, Calder. Your beloved
1: patrol
0: is doomed. Hello and welcome to Waiting for Doom, the world's greatest Doom Patrol-related podcast. Where each episode we talk long and lovingly about our favourite superhero team, the Mighty Doom Patrol.
1: Hi everyone, I'm Paul. You can find me at Reading underscore Hicks, and we have a website called Waiting Doom dot com. And you can send emails to Waiting Doom at gmail dot com. And we're on Facebook, and our episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spod Spodbean, and Spotify. No. <laughs> You guys can work that out. <laughs> yeah, they'll figure it out. <laughs> Hello, I'm Mike. You can find me on Twitter,
0: at AvantGarb. You can also find me on Twitter, our Sentient Show account, and that is Wilfred. He is at WFTPod. Hello, Wilfred. Hello,
1: humans.
0: And this week, we are returning to Doom Patrol TV Season 3, looking at Episodes 7 and 8. We're getting closer and closer to the end of this season, Paul. Very exciting stuff.
1: But first, mm-hmm.
0: how was your week In a bit... In comics and life and me
1: Oh, good. Yeah, I have... Uh, well, what have I been doing? I've been... Uh, well, I'm not... I'm in a situation where my son is back at school, but I'm not allowed back in the office. So um, I have been working at my friend Moby's house in, uh, in right. Canberra. And, uh, yeah, and... Uh, when I say working, I mean looking at his comics. Mostly. I was gonna
0: say um, I've seen a few tweets about, "Oh, look at these!" I've stuck my nose in some really <laughs> old comics today. <laughs> yeah, oh God, someone's taking an yeah. extended holiday, or, or you yeah, know, hardly so, working. Um,
1: I, I don't want to shame him, but I was looking at these comics and go, "Why aren't these in bags and boards? Oh no, <laughs> this is worth a thousand dollars! Wow, um, and things like mm. that." So. He has uh, pretty much a continuous Flash run from the issue straight after the first appearance of Barry Allen. Wow. So everything after that. So you think of all the uh, there's Silver Age Flash villains, he has the first issue of every single one Ooh. of their appearances. So. Holy jeez. Yeah. Nicely done. Yeah. And yes, bag and board them, please. Yes, yeah, so I was bagging, boarding them, and, you know, trying to, ooh, better fold this little bit of paper in. <laughs> yeah, so it was pretty cool. Wow. Pretty exciting. Wow. Yeah. Um, but comic-wise, I've been uh, reading, I read a comic called ETER, E-T-E-R yeah. which is, um, it's from AWA, which stands for Artists, Writers, and Artisans, Inc., oh. um, which is basically, you know, um, what's his name? Uh, no, you don't know.
0: No. <laughs> you tell me what his name is, please. I have no idea who you're talking about. <laughs>
1: um, um, is it... Is it...
0: Um, Gene Kelly? No, no, it's not Gene right, Kelly. okay.
1: So close. <laughs> close. It was Fred Astaire. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a fantastic comic. It's it's humorous. It's um, quirky. It's basically about an alien hospital that's under a real hospital in England, um, and has all these gateways and it's like a bit like Men in Black the movie uh meets ER. Right. So, you know, lots of lots of zaniness. Uh but it's okay. written by uh Jeff McConsey and Dan Panasian and awesome art by Javier Polito and Sean Crystal. And it's just beautiful. I really enjoyed it. And it was it was a delight. A delight as they say. So E T E R. It's just a one shot. Um oh, Okay. Yeah, okay. so if you are into it, you can just read the one issue, and I believe they might do more with it in the future, but, uh, yeah, it's one of those, just a really, you know, you read a comic, you go, gee, I'm you know, glad I read that, and I'm glad I own that, and, you know, mm. I'm going to enjoy that again at some point before yes. I die.
0: <laughs> Goals, as the kids say.
1: Yes. <laughs> or maybe <they> won't. <laughs> that is our show, folks. Uh, <laughs> let's prepare the light show and the smoke machine. <laughs> i got to get embalmed oh yeah sorry yeah. I said embalmed <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to point that out but thank you <laughs> what about you Mike what have you been reading before you die
0: not a lot to be honest what have I've you been, been doing
1: what What are you doing with yourself I I've,
0: work has been just work and life in general have been really really busy um, Actually, I, dreamt,
1: been... I dreamt I got fired last night in my dream
0: wow yeah I I dreamt um, earlier in the week, well, it was more of a nightmare that, um, see, we're having a bit of an issue with one of the systems at work in that it sends out notifications to a very important person and their uh, exec assistant manages their inbox so I had a nightmare that this person rang me up at work and said oh you're naughty boy you're playing around with that system again aren't you because I'm getting all these notifications and I'm going to kill you Mm -hmm. and it was a very stressful dream and so I'm calling it a nightmare so work and uh, and just just life in general just been very busy um I have been trying to make more of an effort to read on the train in into and and coming home from work So I could tell you the comics I've had sitting in my bag for the better part of a fortnight that I haven't touched yet, but I might actually just get around to reading them uh, this coming week. But yeah, no, it's just just been a very, very busy, uh, slightly stressful time. Um, Mm -hmm. And just trying to... The the good thing is we had the system issue resolved, so hooray, hooray. You know, a report that was due out from that is only about a month overdue, so... um, win some lose some I guess I'm chalking it up to a very difficult learning experience with this new system so yes good times and then this week I have to launch um, in a different system a mandatory training course for the entire agency so that's going to be fun and not stressful at all
1: hey can you call it know your shit
0: (laughs) I I can suggest that
1: (laughs) Just do it. Um, just do it. I'm sure it'll be fine with the whole. Yeah. Episode. Yeah.
0: Okay. I'll know your shit. Just let me grab a pen. I'll just write that <laughs> down. No, yeah. your shit.
1: By that, remi- that reminds me of
0: Paul Hicks. A... Here is his mobile number. If you have <laughs> issues with this,
1: all right. Of course. Yep, that yep, reminds cool. me of a friend of mine at uh, work many, many years ago who sent an all-company email to oh, no. to everyone. Um. Basically, he was he has he was doing two things at once. One thing is he was organising a training course, and he'd sent out an email saying, "Hey, who's interested in this training course?" Much more professionally than that. And he was right, also yeah. organising a personal soccer, you know, in, in a game on the side. Oh no! And he got oh, them no. confused, and basically sent out a reply to the uh, training course email saying, "Are any of you ball bags coming to this?" <laughs> And I must say, he got a lot more responses than he did before that email. So people signed up for it pretty
0: quickly. <laughs> Just going to write, make another note. Uh, any of you gonna <laughs> come to this? That'll get attendance up. Woo!
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Wow. Okay. On that I note, I believe he was chastised for that email. But uh... <laughs> you don't say. You shocked me, sir. <laughs> but most people were pretty amused, so
0: Right, so uh um are any bull bags gonna join us on the Doom youth desk?
1: Uh, doom news. Um, no, there's no doom news, Mike. There, there's nothing. Okay. Fair enough. Oh, there was a bit of news about
0: um, uh, a recent announcement about something that Brendan Fraser's doing.
1: Oh, do you want to do the new doom news? Go for it.
0: Oh, I was just going to say he's he's been announced as the the villain Firefly in uh, the Batgirl movie. Right. Which is kind of related to the Doom Show, you know? He's Robot Man. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, I guess so, uh, yeah, that's good, good. Yeah. Is it Doom Patrol It's, news? it's Doom Patrol adjacent, no. I guess.
0: Yeah, Doom Patrol adjacent. It's better than a vacuum, I guess.
1: Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> Vacuums suck.
0: <laughs> I saw that one coming off, ah. <laughs> <laughs> But we still lent into it, mm. so... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, look, can you hear that? Why am I saying look when it's a ticking we can hear? <laughs> look at that ticking. I can look at that ticking. Listen to us on Potify and Spotbeam. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a tomb clock
1: <laughs> Hear the sound of things visually. Um,
0: Radio for your mind. Um, <laughs> I've just lost it. Oh, right.
1: This week on the Doom, <laughs> on the Mighty, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God.
0: everything's topsy turvy and back to front. <clears throat> anyway, is in the fish bowl. <laughs> Oh no, not again! <laughs> my subconscious is a puppet. Anyway, that's sorry. Jumping ahead. um As we look upon the face of the Doom Clock, we can see that it has been just on 69, nice, weeks since we had a new Doom Patrol book on the shelves, that being Issue 7 of Doom Patrol Weight of the World, which we discussed in Episode 161 from July of 2020. Next up is, we have no idea. No. There's no news, there's no... I'm still amazed that, you know, even with a third season, they... Couldn't be bothered to
1: tie in anything. Well, well, uh, something must be coming, and it better be bloody good because we're waiting this long. <laughs> yes, I, it better exactly. be like you know Frank Sinatra singing the Doom Patrol. It's got to be something that good. <laughs> Fly maybe me Maybe to even The doom. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Kirby drawing the Doom Patrol with with um, Stanley writing it. Wow, okay.
0: Um, uh, by Alex a... Toth. <laughs> Oh, okay. Mm, all right. You, you have my interest now. Um, do you want to play the This Week in Doom Patrol History of guessing game by any chance? Uh, no, I'm not really feeling it. No? Nah? Okay. I'll play it instead. You ah. got a torso, <laughs> you got a to die there you can roll for me, and I'll I, try and guess?
1: I roll an 11.
0: Ooh, okay. Is it a jib- Shock <laughs> Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, does it feature Robot Man? Yes. Um, is it? Uh, a, is it uh, from Volume <laughs>
1: One? <laughs> no.
0: Is it from Volume Two? No. Is it from Volume 3?
1: Hi. Is it from Volume (laughs) 3? I don't know. Why don't you tell me the answer? Why don't you tell me the name of your Doom Patrol comic? Look, I'm (laughs) going to roll the
0: actual... (laughs) We've gone really silly this episode. Good Lord. Okay. Um, Look, I rolled a 3, but I'm feeling generous. I'll do it. You'll you'll do it in 3, will you? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I was going to double that for you, but whatever.
1: Don't cheat.
0: I'm better (laughs) Alright, question the first of three.
1: Doom Patrol 67. Is it Doom Patrol 67?
0: It is not Doom Patrol 67.
1: Uh, is it. Uh, so written by Paul Kupperberg?
0: It is not written by Paul Kupperberg.
1: Is it uh, Doom Patrol 106?
0: It is not Doom Patrol 106. Uh, so close! So, you were really, really close, though, uh, because going on sale for $1.50 American on October 31st of 1989, with the cover date of December of that year, was Doom Patrol Volume 2, Issue 28. Oh. So, very close, yes. Very close, yeah. Very close, yeah. I got, One, I got in
1: the same century.
0: Nah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this story was titled Labyrinth and was part of the Painting That Ate Paris story arc and was brought to us by Grant Morrison, Richard Case, John Nyberg, Johnny Workman Jr., Daniel Vozzo and Mark Wade. And the story showed us that the city of Paris had become trapped within a bizarre painting, and even with members of the Justice League on the scene, it was up to Rebus, Robot Man, and Crazy Jane to investigate further and enter the painting, where they encounter the Brotherhood of Dada. Ooh, timely. Uh, We covered this issue back in episode 14 from April of 2015, and you can find that in the Doom dossier for Volume 2, Part 2, at WaitingForDoom.com, and that is it for the Doom Clock this week. Nailed it. Yeah, so close. (laughs) Between the golden age of Atlantis and the rise of recorded history, there were ages undreamed of.
1: Hither came heroes and villains possessing
0: swords and magic whose deeds became tales and legends. I have come to relate these sagas
1: Let me tell you of the
0: Days of High Adventure. Days of High Adventure, a new podcast discussing
1: a variety of comics that fall into the fantasy or sword and sorcery genre. Available on most podcast services and Anchor FM. Now it's the part of the show where we do explain something, which is talking about the Doom Patrol parts of something that's Doom Patrol related, I think. Anyway, it's been a while. Uh, so, <laughs> and this week we are. It's TV show time. So, we got more episodes of the TV show. We watched two of them. We watched, uh, was it Bird Patrol?
0: Bird Patrol was, uh, yes, uh, At, episode seven.
1: And Subconscious Patrol? Correct. Apparently, <laughs> those have been the questions <laughs> Nailed the <it.
0: laughs> Nailed it, and you even threw in a higher as he went along. <laughs>
1: I there. did. Yes, something for everyone, depending on people having very low expectations of what they want. Um, so, Mike, do you want to take us through Bird Patrol? Okay, oh, no, I can't do it. <laughs>
0: uh okay, Bird Patrol. Um. Look, I'm going to preface this by saying these are probably my favourite two episodes of the season. Whoa! Um, because, and we've only got two left to go. Uh, those being Evil Patrol in episode nine and Amends Patrol in episode ten. Mm. That's A-M-E-A-M-E-N-D-S, A M E A M E N D S. Amends, not a men's patrol. Mm. Um, but bird patrol. Um, there's lots going on. Uh, we have Vic arranging to undergo a synthetic skin operation, uh, which he, for some reason, des- decides to discuss it with Ronnie, uh, who tells him, you know, he can affect more change in the world as cyborg than as you know, normal Victor Stone. Uh, we have Jane confronting Cliff about his selling her stuff to fund his addictions, uh, and she becomes so enraged she turns into Flit, teleports him to his daughter's Clara's house. Which uh, ends up turning into a slightly disastrous impromptu babysitting session with Cliff fighting temptation to use Clara's credit card inappropriately. Uh, Larry coughs up a 16 pound space parasite, which Laura DeMille insists he burns and not names. <laughs> Uh, instead, he decides to abandon it in the woods with a scarf, thermos, and peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Uh, Jane tries to console Kay about her missing bike, uh, and Kay has a tantrum and refuses to ever go up top again. Jane confronts the other personas about the missing bike, and an argument breaks out about protecting the girl. Uh, and the argument ends with Dr. Harrison asking who is protecting them the personas. In 1949, a rift has uh, become even more wide between Laura DeMille and the rest of the Sisterhood, as she is forced to choose between saving her former close friends and self-preservation in order to keep the Bureau of Normalcy happy. Uh, And in their secret salon, the Sisterhood uh, admit that they're complicit in the Bureau's actions, as they've done nothing to make the world a better place in their 30 years there. Meanwhile, in present day, uh, Laura has been trying to rally the patrol together, but gets no help at all, as the uh, eternal flagellation is about to be forced upon the world. So she races around the manor, trying to seal it up. Uh, And there's a brilliant moment here where the past and the present collide. Uh, We're shown in the past that, yes, Laura did betray the Sisterhood to the Bureau, uh, and the patrol are forced to do a dance uh, in the in the house and it's actually mirroring what was happening uh, at the moment that Laura betrayed the team uh, and Malcolm ends up getting killed by a soldier of the Bureau in the past and Rita escapes and she's revealed to be his mask wearing duplicate here in the present all of them are transported outdoors uh, where they're standing before the sisterhood and a giant egg in a giant cage Um, and continuing the giant theme, a giant winged creature with Malcolm's face flies out of the egg, and as Laura uh, refuses to admit her betrayal, the creature escapes the cage and transforms into thousands of smaller versions, and during the chaos, Laura turns into a bird and escapes. The sisterhood leaves in a puff of smoke, and each patroller is transported away as one of these birds with versions of their own faces on them zap into their bodies. And it was like, what the hell (laughs) Mm. that that's the very high level stuff uh but i i really enjoyed both these episodes um, because as we've been saying as we've been discussing in previous episodes of our show uh that the sisterhood were after laura for some reason and we found out what that reason was that yeah in order to save her own skin she betrayed those people that she had kind of been protecting for 30-odd years. It's pointed Mm. out to her that every time, uh, well, apparently they have a reclassification window uh, to review metahumans within the Bureau, and uh, this other agent says to to Laura, every time reclassification comes around, you hide them away in the basement. And she says, well, then they're not really good, useful weapons. And he says, well, then neither are you. Mm. So she kind of has to... She ends up uh, putting herself first, and um, it's kind of become clear that you know she she doesn't see the point in in art anymore, and she has she's just drifted apart from the team, and she ends up saving herself um, at the cost of of the sisterhood and Malcolm's life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I found I really enjoyed both these episodes, um, but they're so sad as well.
1: These were really heavy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like i i watched I watched both of them twice because there's no way I can even say anything slightly intelligent about them without you know double watching them. Because
0: I did. I did the same thing. I just finished watching both of them before we recorded for <laughs> yeah. the second time. Yeah.
1: And it, it, it's like I don't know. Do you ever find yourself having a really heavy emotional talk with someone and you don't really know? Like, the path to get in touch with your feelings was so um, winding that you feel like, "Wow, well, will I ever get back to this being in touch with my feelings again like this? You know, <laughs> you're just overwhelmed by it all.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah.
1: Because we push so much down about ourselves, and these episodes are all about what's down inside us that we've, you know, pushed down and not uh, revealed to other people, so. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think the sisterhood were feeling that's a similar frustration to that. In, um, uh, you, you know, even um, the, the the quiz. Uh, oh God, what's the, the Chico? Um I think it's Sachiko.
1: Yep, it sounds right. A
0: yeah. Um, she's, you know, she's completely frustrated in, in the salon. Rita and Malcolm are saying, oh, look at this little, you know, number we've worked on, which is going to send up the tropes of, you know, art, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, look, We've, and so she goes like, we've been doing this for decades and nothing has happened. And and even um, Frenzy chimes in with like, yeah, the world's still a horrible, horrible place. And we've been hiding here for decades. And they're just, it's like they're finally realizing they have to get up out of themselves to, to affect any change.
1: But it's also reflective of society where society goes, okay, what are things that are valuable? Mining, farming, tourism, all that. Art is seen as something that's, you know, it's touchy-feely. It's not valuable. It's not real. Mm, um, yeah. So we see that in our government, particularly where, you know, we're going to uh, fund relief money for all these, you know, people who need help, like who run the shops. But if you're in the arts, uh, get stuffed because, you know, that's not really anything. Um, yeah. and, oh, and...
0: Look, you're safer being in a, a sport than doing anything art-wise. Oh,
1: absolutely. You'll get more money yeah. and you can get away with any sort of rape if you're a <laughs> top sportsman. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, boys will be boys. And hey, you know, at <sighs> least they're really good at cricket and football. Uh, and
0: look, if they break, you know, pandemic quarantine, ah, that's fine. Ah, oh, they're
1: just know. lads. Yeah.
0: <laughs> they're just having a lark. Yeah. yeah. You no, know, fuck off. Yeah, but it,
1: but yeah. if you're in the arts, uh, but, you know, I... The thing that really makes an influence on people's lives and changes people's mind is art. You know, art is mm-hmm. so powerful, and, and uh, you know it drives change in the you know inside people's minds. I mean, yeah. Oh, going. Um, sorry, I've, I've got. I've, I've no,
0: no, 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 no. I, 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 like, like we've both been saying, these are really good episodes. Uh, and and yes, they're, they're really heavy. And the the emotion Michelle Gomez in this episode, my God! In in you know in part of the show, she's running around swearing at the patrol, saying, "Help me seal up this house because the sisterhood are coming." And then in other scenes, just the emotional turmoil on her face when they when she betrays the sisterhood, and you know she's telling Rita to get on her knees, and you know she's tearing up. 'Cause mm. she knows she's 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 handing them over um and, and giving up on them completely. And it's like, Oh my god, it's <laughs> and the scene where she's trying to lee walk down a hallway and then she re enters the same hallway <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the physicality in that as well, it's like, Oh my she's so good in this show. Yeah.
1: But uh, in one sense I feel like the Bureau of Normalcy is like real life and you know the problem here is they have basically said art should be kept separate and should be you know kept underground and just be done in secret and not be integrated in everything we do um Mm. you know and creativity and all that sort of stuff which is why you know that's why our society is so damaged in some cases because art is you know seen as something you know detached from things that matter so, not yeah. a weapon. Art is not a weapon, so therefore it yeah. has no value.
0: And that's kind of what I feel Morrison was saying in his run, which, you know, this is clearly sourced from as well. You know, he was pretty much saying, you know, the quote-unquote normal world sees art as a bad thing. I mean, the the big bad in the painting of the eight Paris storyline was a painting, mm. and it was saying that, you know, art was evil, you know, and, and, and could be used as a as a weapon. So, yeah, just... Oh. I, it's, it's, yeah. I just I just love this episode and the next episode as well. Um, actually, the episode you're about to talk about actually had me cheering up Ooh. in parts of it. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. But just one more thing I'll say about it. I mean, I find on Twitter that the people who a lot of people who are leading the charge for what's right and um, for justice and things like that seem to be comedians. Um, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're standing up to, you know, corrupt politicians and things in society that aren't right. And, you know, they are uh, telling truth to power a lot of the time. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's uh, that's one of the subtexts of this uh, these two episodes, which is really important. Hmm. Yeah. Getting heavy, getting heavy, these mm-hmm. ones. All right you want me to go through the next episode? Subconscious? Please do, because
0: I think they're so tied together that we can discuss both in in our one episode.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. So uh, it starts with a whole bunch of data birds sitting on the wire, but they all have the faces of our main protagonist from the Doom Patrol, um, and then they fly off. Uh, now, we cut to a scene of uh, Victor in a toy store as a young boy, and he wants to find a black superhero toy, and his dad is like... Mm. I don't think they have any. And then he starts, you know, pulling the toys off the shelves, which uh, upsets the store owner who calls security. And there's a, a bit of the, the racial profiling tension thing going on. Um, and then, you know, uh, Victor's dad said, hey, why don't we get you this General Tony toy? And Because he's a black soldier. And Vic's like, I don't really want a soldier. I want a superhero. But Vic is watching this as his adult self. And then he pops out of existence when a Dala bird appears with his face. In the underground, (laughs) we see uh, Underground Avenue, which is a puppet show, and uh, there's a real Kay there, played by... um, Diane Guerrero? That's it. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) So there's all these um, puppet representations of the characters, but there's also uh, Harry the Lamb, and um, yeah, they're all singing, and then they have uh, a Dada bird appears, and Kay vanishes from this tableau. Hmm now uh cliff steel robot man meets cliff steel person man um (laughs) (laughs) what the fuck yeah outside a bar and uh yeah and he says hey you gotta go inside and uh he goes inside and cliff steel the person uh data bird appears he vanishes um, then we cut to Larry, and it's a flashback to his wedding, when he um, suppressed his uh, true identity as a gay man and got married to a woman, which is uh, mm. not really living his truth, as it were. Um, yeah, so he's very stressed out about this and knows that he can't change it, and then um, regular Larry, not uh, negative man Larry, he vanishes from it when the bird appears, and then we find them all in Doom Manor, um and they are the subconscious parts of the main characters. So, not the main characters, they're subconscious things that they are suppressing. And they build a little therapy shelter with uh, towels and (laughs) blankets and sheets and things around the place. (laughs) Uh, But Rita has been left out of this. And then Rita pops in, and she seems to know exactly what's going on. So um, Madame Rouge got... well, we won't call her Madame Rouge, we'll call her... Laura got sacked uh, despite betraying everybody. Um, Rita really wants revenge on her, and... Then it cuts to a scene where, uh, in 1949, where uh, Laura is meeting the Brain and Mella um, <laughs> in their headquarters, and it looks like this is not the first meeting. But they basically say, "We want to do some experiments on you, and we want you to be a, uh, t- a weapon against the people who work with Niles Calder. We built the time machine based on the plans when we saw the time machine that you uh, that Rita came in on." And we would like to experiment on you and we want to change your name because Laura doesn't really cut it. We want to call you Madame Rouge. Mm. Mm. And then she, uh, yeah, Madame Rouge thinks about the name and says, you had me at fucking Niles Calder. (laughs) Imagine that. Yeah. Now, now, okay. uh, This, I'm going to go off track here, but I Mm -hmm. call this the Jerry Maguire paradox. Okay. That's a modernism that probably didn't exist in 1949. What, what do you
0: mean? Which which you, was the modernism? You
1: had me at oh right yes. Yeah, yes yeah so you know so that that's the scene from Jerry. So my theory is that the all the members of the Brotherhood of Evil got in the time machine and at some point they went and saw Jerry Maguire. <laughs> oh my god! Those poor bastards. Well, yeah, nothing wrong with Jeremy McCoy. Anyway, um, yeah, I reckon that's, you know, so if someone breaks out and just show me the money at some point, I won't be surprised. Oh, um, God. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Right. Uh, do you ever have that thing where something something from the past is anachronistically viewed through the lens of the present? So, you know... Uh,
0: well, people I do, love yeah, that do now, that. yeah.
1: People love to do that, and uh, particularly the Doom Patrol does that. I mean, the past in the Doom Patrol is all very much coloured by the lens of the present, etc. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there there are things that would be the way they are in the past because, you anyway, know, I'm diverging. Anyway. Okay. So then we see a bit more of everyone's, uh, you know, uh, what's happening in their experiences in memory. So, um,. Larry has a very horrible conversation with his mum about, um, you know, suppressing who he is. And the gist of it is, um, if he comes out as a gay man, it will basically embarrass her. Like, it's not conformist. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter about his truth. If he just basically suppresses who he is and gets married to a woman, he will basically be on the right track and it will all be good. And, you know, none of this nonsense will continue. Mm. Yeah, which I'm sure is a common experience for many uh, gay people. Mm. in the underground all the puppets uh basically they get told that if k doesn't want them all there like basically they're part of the problem and uh, uh yeah harry says that to them and they get really really pissed off and rip harry to bits <laughs> <laughs> um we see victor and he uh and he's basically given up his childhood because he was told that as a young black man he can't afford to make mistakes that's what his dad mm. said to him we can't we don't get to make mistakes yeah so he basically at that point went straight to adulthood and uh, lost all his childhood innocence and, and sense so of fun mm. and everything and basically became a person who was all about duty and responsibility um, which is pretty sad for a young kid yeah yeah in 1949 we hear a, a conversation between Rita and Laura where basically Rita says Everything that the, uh, this sort of data is doing is bullshit. It's all just a waste of time. It's not real. And uh, Rita counterpoints that uh, art saved me. You know, I mm-hmm. I didn't know who I was. And art, you know, gave me purpose and happiness and also led me to love with Malcolm. Mm. Mm. Uh, now, at this point, the we'll call the, sub, the subconscious people the subs. They all march out of mm-hmm. Doomfrog Manor out into the fog. And then, I didn't mention this in our previous coverage, but A Bicycle Goes Past saying, <sighs> yeah, covered in sort of gel saying, Code Bonnet B, Thatcher's Blue Bum. Uh, I think that's what it's saying. Uh, yes, it I is. Would, yes. yes. I would say that is uh, Hoffman's bicycle, the, the bicycle that he, he read when he first experimented with LSD. <laughs> that's what I thought as well, even when I saw it in the previous. And I did race that on
0: Twitter with Shoshana Sachi, who yeah. we've had on the show and is, is one of the... And writers now, uh, producers now, um, and she admitted she had to go and look at, up Hoffman's bicycle, and I was like, oh, okay, so oh, is wow. it meant to be or not? So maybe, because uh, I, I was hoping that would lead to the appearance of the magic bus, um, but who knows? <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: anyway, I mean, it's it's weird that this bike has pe- turned up twice, and it's been very obvious, and everyone's just mm. going, "Huh." Oh. <laughs> Oh, okay. Day ending and wife for the Doom Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, now we cut to uh, Cliff, and he is uh, his friends have treated him to a stripper for his birthday, I think. And uh, yeah, this young lady basically says, um, "Before I take off all my clothes and dance for you, you should know that you're, there's a young girl in the car outside." And we learn that the thing that Cliff has been suppressing is that he was a truly shitty dad who used to go mm. drinking every day while he left Clara in the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm, yeah, mm. Rita knows that uh, Laura DeMille was going to take the time machine, and she basically um, steals the time machine first, and um, she gets her memories back, and basically all the the future knowledge basically hardens her heart, as it were. Mm-hmm. And she visits Codsville. She takes a detour to Codsville. Called it. Yeah, <laughs> and shuts yeah. everyone so they die, so they meet. Uh, so she meets Malcolm in the afterlife, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the the wording they use in this um, voiceover is to maintain the lover's loop. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, she comes out of the time machine with one thing on her mind, which is revenge. Now, Cliff suddenly, you know, he's upset by this uh, memory, so he works out he can jump out of it when a vortex appears, uh, the vortex, uh, Shishiko's vo- vortex, as it were. Um. And he basically goes through everyone's memories and collects everyone. So he gets Larry and Vic and Jane. And, um, yeah, he, he says, which one of you felt fucks is Jane? <laughs> <laughs> which made me laugh. Yes. <laughs> um, and then they are—they uh, basically all have conversations with their subconscious, who are all back at the manor now. So, And Cliff is feeling a lot of self-pity and knowing that Parkinson's is killing him. And um, he's sort of using self-pity as a justification for all the shitty things he did. So, you know, he he only found happiness when he was, you know, drinking and, you know, doing blow and being with other women. So, you know, why should he, you know, why should he deny himself happiness when, it, you know, being a dad sucked and it was boring and, you know, mm. uh, tedious? Um, which I think is a lot of what people would say in their subconscious if they were really honest. Mate, I mean, I haven't done blow. <laughs> <laughs> All strips uh, anyway <laughs> now, Larry has a sort of different experience because Larry's subconscious is actually very very similar to Larry in itself so um, but yeah basically he, the, the thing that he comes away with that uh, is he needs to be more open to love and um, you know take more chances and not use uh, the, bad, uh, the bandages that he has as a barrier a protective barrier from getting hurt or mm. being real um, so when he comes to that rev- revelation, the Larry Bird appears, and he uh, and Larry's subconscious vanishes with the bird. Cliff doesn't really come to that piece, but I think he is well and truly uh, confronted by. Uh, what a shitty person he was. and
0: I, Yeah, I think there's acceptance there, at least. Acceptance, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And realising that he's on the same track because he's doing it again now with um, all the internet garbage and, you know, stealing stuff from people. He's basically just about himself and about feeling good and it doesn't matter the cost to other people. Um, mm. So he's a bit upset by that, but at that point his subconscious vanishes with the Dada Bird. Now, General Tony, I think General Tony is played by Phil Morris, who plays um, Cyborg's dad i
0: don't know i'd have i'll have to double check this because he he looked like an actor i've seen recently and i'm trying to think what it was he was in uh but i don't think it was phil morris
1: okay well, he's got heavy prosthetics so it's kind of hard to tell
0: he, yeah well he's like a an action figure <laughs> brought to life yeah so.
1: yeah okay. but he uh basically he has a chat to, to vic about how he's you know he's he lost his childhood innocence he's just been about you know, responsibility, he didn't have fun. And this upsets Vic, but, uh, you know, there's the realisation there. And, you know, once again, Dada Bird appears, General Tony vanishes. And I think with Jane, the realisation is that Kay doesn't really want all these alternative identities, you know. They were there to protect her, but to be healed, she doesn't need them. Um, Mm. So, uh, yeah. And when Kay's subconscious... Vanishes uh, with the data bird. Basically, Kay loses it, and uh, Diane Guerrero does a complete trashing of the tents and the you know the shelter they <sighs> yeah, yeah, and screaming, and it's it's uh, quite yeah. When did he cry in there? Where was that?
0: Um. Oh God, I'm tearing up now just talking about it. Um. I think just seeing how I I, I majorly when um when Cliff admits what a shitty dad he was, partly because. My dad was kind of shitty as well, in some aspects. And I had memories of being left in a car (laughs) after, uh, at certain... Not for like, not like everyday sort of thing, but I can clearly recall being told to stay in a car and you know my dad would wander off into well not wander off but he would go and meet a a friend or whatever and i would just assume my dad's meeting with a business friend or whatever um and you know i can't recall exactly but i'm pretty certain that he would have had you know a few um alcoholic beverages uh whilst in there um so that upset me a bit and i gotta admit With my mum passing away last year uh, due to complications from her Parkinson's, seeing Parkinson's uh, in this as well is a little bit upsetting uh, as well. So, what else? Just the fact that they've all had these heartbreaking moments, like young Vic as a child, basically being told, look, unfortunately, this is your lot in life and you can't muck up and you have to grow up now. And even Vic... Uh, you know, adult Vic looking at child Vic is kind of saying, "Oh, come on, man! I was a kid, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I shouldn't have had to to do, shouldn't have had to grow up so fast." God, ugh, what? And, and yeah, um, Kay turning around and telling Jane to her face, "You are my trauma. You know, you're you're the reason I'm so messed up." Uh, and and when Jane goes back into the underground, and all the other personas are gone. So it's mm. like, yes. In order for for Kay to heal, she needs to just be Kay and not have all this cotton wool around her. If that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, I think that it hit hardest for me when Brendan Fraser in this. My God, he he just fucking gut punched me <laughs> um, when you know he, he was saying, "Oh, being a dad, you know, I'm I'm just a wallflower. I'm part of the wallpaper." Um, and I didn't feel like a king just because you know I would put my dick in a hole somewhere, and you know why should my, why should I have to give up my life? And I'm like, you bastard! That's part of being a parent. Mm. You know, you you make these sacrifices, and ah, oh, just fuck it, it just gutted me. And oh, just just those conversations that they were having with their subconscious avatars, I guess we'll call them representations, whatever, and and then. Larry talking with Larry, you know, and he was saying that was the, you know, my wedding day was the day I committed to the lie. Uh, and as he said, to to keep his mum happy and to, you know, fitting with society at the time. It's just such heartbreaking fucking stuff. Mm. And it just fucking... <laughs> continuous gut punches, you know. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so it's just... Uh, but... That being said, as heavy and as emotional as these two episodes are, I still love the heck out of them. They were so good. And then you've got the insanity of Underground Avenue with the puppets.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that must <laughs> be know? so much fun to see a puppet of you <laughs> being made by someone. <laughs> yeah.
0: that, like, uh, yeah, in the tent where uh, Diane Guerrero is sitting there with a puppet of herself <laughs> beside <laughs> her. That's <laughs> just been crazy.
1: And there's something um, always fun about seeing puppets swear a lot is oh yeah
0: yeah and and like when puppet hammerhead is trying to explain to puppet jane about you know what the hell's going on yeah <laughs> she's like i don't know all this what do i look like i got a phd in all this subconscious shit i don't fucking know
1: <laughs> yeah but um <sighs> yeah the very end of the episode is everyone sort of basically waking up and you know this whole the eternal flagellation which is about coming becoming in touch with your the things of yourself that are hidden um, confronting your realities uh, has happened basically in their brains because they're all back where they were. So we see that uh, Mm. Cliff is in the garage looking at the internet and he gets busted by Clara. Um, So he has to, you know, the reality of this isn't working and you're doing the wrong thing. Mm. Um, Yeah. As you said, Jane's in the underground and she's the only uh, subconscious, you know, the only alternate uh, personality left. Um, Larry, because he had a pretty good experience, has gone to the, um, the forest and rescued the negative grub and found it alive and give it a little <laughs> cuddle. Negative <crop>. grub. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. And, um, Vic wakes up and he's got synthetic skin. So cyborg no more. And, you know, in a, in a show like this, you know, cyborg is cyborg because he's cyborg. And if he's not mm. cyborg, he's not cyborg. Yeah. I think I'm uh, saying the truth. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, he, even in episode seven, uh, you know, when he, uh, f- I, I'm still a bit puzzled why he contacted Ronnie to discuss him getting synthetic skin, but even she said to him, you can affect more change in the world as Cyborg than you can as Victor Stone. Yeah. Um, but I think he still felt the need to, to go through with it and, and not be a weapon anymore.
1: Yeah, but in the fictional sense, we you know the six million dollar man without the six million dollars worth of enhancements isn't is just man, and you know <laughs> you don't tune in for yeah. man, do you? <laughs> no. Yeah. Anyway, and the final bit of the episode is Rita confronting. Um, Shannon, <laughs> or <laughs> Madame Rouge, we'll call her Madame Rouge for now on, Madame and they are both fully aware of everything at this point, so the mm. eternal flagellation has woken all the memories in uh, Madame Rouge, and Rita knows everything now, so um, yeah, so they look pissed with each other, don't they?
0: Oh, don't they just, oh, but e- even that scene uh, where Laura DeMille was about to golf in a little time travel jaunt, and, and Rita confronted her, and you know, said to her, it was all about power for you and it wasn't enough. And and she, she had pegged Laura, basically. She knew what had happened. And Laura was basically like, yeah, you know, between these four walls and us two girls, you're right. But I'd never admit it. Mm. Know, she, she's basically saying, yes, I'm a bad person that is out for, you know, myself and no one else. And yeah, but whatever. What are you going to do about it sort of thing? So I
1: think we're about to find out what Rita will do about it. Yeah. So i hope I'm hoping we'll see Rita come into her full power, but um I really i mean one of the things we're not very good on in this show is talking about the people behind the scenes so uh the first episode was written by Ezra Clayton Daniels and mm-hmm. um yeah, powerful stuff really well done and- you can tell that the writer's room is really firing and tackling you know heavy stuff in a really entertaining and you know yeah there's so much metaphor in this, and there's so much I don't know, themes like it it really was. I felt like I was just overwhelmed with the feelings and themes of it all, you know, Mm -hmm. at first. And uh, Subconscious Patrol was written by Tanya Steele. So, wow, Mm. amazing. You know, salute to you guys. And the performances, you know, all the characters talking to themselves. um, Yeah. Brendan Fraser doing, talking to Brendan Fraser. And, you know, we're seeing a a much more emotive side of, you know, all the bluster that we get with Cliff Steele is really just to protect himself. Whereas, you know... Mm. You know, the real yeah. man. I feel like we saw a real person behind Cliff Steele uh, in these episodes. So, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Heavy, heavy stuff. Heavy, so. heavy stuff. Uh, which is really, you know, there's so much truth in this, which is quite strange because it's such a, you know, bizarre, quirky, unrealistic show. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, dropping truth bombs all over the place.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's the beauty of it. One minute you've got... Kaiju size rats and cockroaches fighting each other and then making out, and you've got wear ass monsters fighting zombies, and then the next minute you've got all this deep emotional stuff. Yeah, it's like what the hell? Yeah, <laughs> my emotions. Um, yeah, it's I, uh, I, I can't wait to see what happens in the final two episodes because it's. Yeah, that, that last scene with, with Rita and Laura just glaring at each other. It's like, oh, my God. And and let's not forget the scene where, when they were talking before um, the time travel trip, Rita reached out her arm and grabbed Laura by the throat. I was mm. like, oh, hello. But unfortunately, that was that moment of confidence was all undone by Laura turning into Malcolm or appearing as Malcolm and saying, go on, let me die again, sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. And then her arm wilted. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> Yeah.
0: But, yeah, it's it's going to be... I was talking with uh, one of my sons about it, and, and he wasn't aware that uh, the show's been renewed for a fourth season. And he's like, how are they going to come back from all this stuff? You know, where do they go from here? And I'm like, that's a really good question. Because it's going to be really interesting to see how this season plays out. And I'm really worried about what's going to happen with Jane. If she... If all the other personas are gone and Kay is healed, on the one hand, that's great for Kay as a character that she is healed. What does that mean for all the personas? Does she go off? Like in the comics, Jane uh, ended up going off to Danny the world um, and we didn't see her for the longest time. Does this mean Jane slash Kay is going to go off and, and live her own life once she's feeling better within herself literally within herself so
1: yeah well uh. I mean, she's losing her trauma and her superpowers so you know mm. can, can she be in the doom patrol at this point yeah can yeah. Vic, you know i mean cliff and larry you know they're weird so they can continue to be in the and rita but um yeah mm. if everyone becomes normal they can't be in the doom patrol i, I don't know it's it's yeah what's going to happen
0: but on the other hand, I mean Dorothy is not normal, and she left, but she's got her own new gang now. So mm. um, I, I wonder if they're if they're tightening the team back up to the original trio, maybe. Mm, maybe for the next season,
1: or maybe yeah, bring I... in some new people with new trauma.
0: <laughs> okay, I want to see Kate Goodwin. Okay, Coagula. I want to see her. Hot Hands. Hot Hands. <laughs> uh karma i want to see wayne being his dirtbag punk scum self who else i want to see them do the fox and the crow storyline oh, with dear. the generational war <laughs> i reckon that would be hilarious in the tv show
1: uh, i want to see the shit storyline oh yeah
0: that well we could be seeing casey brink
1: lotion the you know cat.
0: lotion the ca- <laughs> casey and lucian hello Lu- uh um, lucius no, lucius oh maybe There's there's still a lot there they could uncover but at the same time who knows what new stuff that hasn't even appeared in the books is going to show crazy.
1: up you know what i really want to see what ted bruder <laughs> fast forward yes. Negative man too
0: yes that would be cool <laughs> he was oh man wow that that would be very there's so much cool stuff that could be coming up in the new season but yeah let's oh, let's see what happens in these uh, final two episodes that are coming mm. out over the next couple of weeks but oh man these these two hit me hard god damn <laughs> god damn and also hats off to the entire cast and crew <laughs> yeah doom yeah oh my god <laughs> Now it is time for the mailbag, O Doom, where we go through your responses to the last question of the week, which was, "What is your favourite comic with a first appearance?" And first up, we heard from Jared Driscoll at Jared Driscoll on the Twitters, and Jared said, "Well, not technically a first appearance, but it is the first appearance of Space Ape Eight in this design, which I love. Land of Nod Number One by Jay Stevens, and yeah, it's got a cool-looking gorilla <laughs> in a pink and purple superhero suit." Fighting off alien monsters and looks like leopard print bats.
1: Very odd. <laughs> yes, not heard of it. Looks cool. Uh, Big Tim Styles chimed in, and said the first appearance of my new villain, the pansit Palabok Man, in Gorilla of my Dr- Gorilla My Dreams Team Up Number One, which is launching on Kickstarter today. I'm actually Ooh. Uh, refreshing. We're hoping that appears anytime soon now um uh but if i can't pin my book i really like Gen- generation x number one which is the first appearance of both chamber and emplet i mm. Chamber's the guy with the chest ripped open which is like a swirling mass of energy yes, yes. i don't know who- who's emplet emplate i
0: think she was uh um she had a, a name started another with M, i think yeah another X person but i think she kind of had like a whole bunch of superpowers. I think she was, like, super strong. And I, I Oh, was
1: think... that Monet? Monet! I think that was Monet, yeah. Oh, know Monet. Yeah, I think. she's in X-Core.
0: Right. X-Core. Right, is that one of the current X-Books? Yeah. Right. Okay. Cool. Uh, <laughs> we then heard from uh, John, the last thing you see before you die because um, it's halloween spooky twitter <laughs> names for everyone he's at changing shades on the twitters uh, and john wrote uh, just a great bow on claremont's miss marvel run a fun hero versus villain punch up and the introduction to one of my absolute favorite x-men so that was uh the avengers king Size annual number 10 and it's got all these various things happening on the cover spider woman's daring midnight rescue captain america totally defeated Iron Man knocked out of action, the deadly new Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, um, and a cameo appearance by the Uncanny X-Men. I think this might be the one where Rogue first appeared?
1: Yeah, Rogue, not Rouge. Rogue, Not Rouge, yeah. yeah.
0: Brotherhood of Evil, not Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Sorry, anyway. Yeah. Doom Patrol debuted three months before X-Men. Anyway,
1: sorry. <laughs> Uh, Craig uh, McDee said, uh, Canadian Geek, he said, Showcase number four, the first appearance of Barry Allen. Historical importance aside, it was a great origin story for the Silver Age Flash, Barry Allen. Yeah, I almost... I got so very close to that issue. Almost. Oh. Almost. He didn't have that one, but he had all the others after that. Anyway, uh... Yes.
0: Cool. Oh, look, it's our best bud, Aaron Long, at Juice005. And, God... Aaron wrote, probably the one where the person showed up for the first time and all that wild stuff happened. You guys know the one, X-Factor 88.
1: Uh, if only you'd said uh, X-Factor 87, which is the famous um, everyone in therapy issue with X-Factor. Do you know that one?
0: Oh, that would have been timely as well. But yeah, no, you stuffed up, Aaron. You got it wrong, you Yeah,
1: dick. you goose.
0: Thanks for ruining the show. <laughs> <Ugh>. Back
1: <laughs> uh, have to rem- your hovel. <laughs> we heard from chris lyden who said dc comics presents 26 which is the debut of the new teen titans uh by wolfman and perez Ooh. oh Sorry and it's was...
0: got <laughs> no no your excitement is justified uh, it's got superman and green lantern on the main cover having a hero fight because of, of uh, yeah of course uh long box of darkness at dark long box herman Hello, Herman. He wrote in with uh, John Constantine's first appearance in Swamp Thing, volume 2, number 37. I still have my old copy. It helped that I was a fan of the police at the time, plus David Lynch's June. And he provided us a gif (laughs) of uh, uh, zooming in on Sting wearing his space age underwear from the first June movie.
1: These space jokes. Space Docs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Shag, Firestorm fan, he replied with, Fury of Firestorm number 24, which is the first appearance of Blue Devil, also the mm. first appearance of Bug, of Bug and Bite fame. Yeah, that's where the value is, in the first appearance of Bug. <laughs> a- and Bite. you know. Yeah, and um, Who um, went
0: on to become um, a pairing that I've never
1: heard of. Yeah, well, <laughs> this was when, you know, computers were kind of new, and, the, you know, you'd get ah. computer-based villains, which were very... Uh yeah betrayed a particularly misunderstanding of computers and all things. You, right. know, you remember when people have battles in cyberspace in comics and it's all, you know uh, it's all Tron had a lot to answer for. Yeah, Tron had a lot to answer for. <laughs> anyway, that was more of that. But uh this issue also has Firestorm and Firehawk, and it's a total win. I haven't read that one. Uh but going back, I do own the first appearance of John Constantine, so
0: mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. Cool. Uh ace twelve their mink. Uh, our friend Kevin wrote in with uh, Dick Grayson truly growing up in Tales of the Teen Titan 44, uh, book three of the Judas Contract. Um, and I, I'm, I'm guessing this is where we first see the uh, the Disco Nightwing outfit? Uh,
1: it is the first appearance of Nightwing when Dick takes on the Nightwing persona. Oh, and wow. I, okay. And I'd just like to thank Kevin for reminding me that I can't find my copy of this comic.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Thanks a Kevin. Bunch. Wow. Kevin, you should go over to Paul's and help him look through all his different sheds for that issue. I think that's fair.
1: Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> Suppressed pain is now surfaced.
0: <laughs> Talk it out with your subconscious, Paul.
1: <laughs> uh, we heard from Chris at BTO and Bat Books, um, and he said, uh, Batman 258, the first appearance of Arkham Hospital, in brackets, Asylum. It was the first Batman-related first appearance, Uh, issue i got when i came when it came out my dad got this for me from a 7-eleven just before our family went on a long road trip so it's a good personal memory attached with it as well so yeah yeah it's not a detective comic issue so mike doesn't want it (laughs) but i still
0: respect it i still admire look there are so many damn bat books okay there are so many that I didn't want to go, end up going down the road I did with the X Men back in the '90s, mm. where I was, bu- I was buying every damn X book that was on the shelves. Yeah. And when I started getting into Batman, I was like, oh, oh, tempting, tempting. Oh, sometimes the stories cross over into different Bat books. I was like, no, Michael, be strong. Limit yourself to one Bat book. And I only kind of broke that once, <laughs> <laughs> uh, when the new 52 batman book came out with uh scott snyder and um god i'm forgetting his name greg
1: capullo capullo
0: Capullo. that was the only time i've broken that because i really enjoyed the the art and writing in in that batman book but once that wrapped up i was like yep okay that's fine just back to detective comics so there we go i've diverted well and truly now i hope you're happy
1: (laughs) that's all for batsplaining this week
0: I'm sorry, I'm oversharing this episode. Anyway, we also heard from uh, Martin Gray, or Martin Graves, during this spooky season. He's at Martin Gray. And he <laughs> wrote with, well, obviously, and it was Superboy number 34, which showed uh, a comment about to destroy Smallville. And it apparently, it introduced someone called the Yellow PER. P E R. So, I, I don't know who that is. Sorry, Mark.
1: I, I wonder if the first appearance is actually Dial H for Hero. Could be. Could be. Martin, Which is a complete uh, rip-off of the name of my podcast, Dial H for <laughs> Flanger.
0: <laughs> yeah, they travelled from the past to check out all the really cool podcasts, and they said, hey, what can we use for a comic book idea? And they went back in time to do it. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. Just like the TV show. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, we heard from Wombat Joe who said it was an insanely difficult question. So so many going for New Teen Titans 21, Wolfman and Perez goodness, and then the bonus Wolfman and Colon treat with Night Force first appearance of Baron Winter. And Ooh. I got challenged to do the Night Force theme by Ryan Daly to go with that because I did a whole podcast about Night I Force know. with yes. uh, Ryan. So here we go. Night Force. Night Force. Night Force. He he. His brother did the music, and I I <laughs> yeah, yeah. took sole responsibility for the lyrics. So there you go. I love the effort
0: you put into that uh, yeah, lyric wise. Uh, it's not
1: beatboxing, <laughs> but it's close.
0: <laughs> mm, yes.
1: Uh, Triton seventy six at
0: Triton seventy six wrote in with X Men one twenty nine to one thirty one. First Kitty, first Dazzler, first Emma Frost. Wow, that's, that's, a that's a lot of, lot of first. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But uh, that's three issues. I just point that out. Triton, try and try and uh, pay uh, more attention next time. No, you can okay. do whatever you want. There's no rules. Clearly, <laughs> <The> cats <laughs> in the fishbowl. Um, <laughs> we heard from Doctor Tim Callahan. Uh, I think Tim wrote that Grant Morrison book that I um, sampled from when we were yeah. covering Grant Morrison-era Doom Patrol. And he said, Gosh. Adventure Comics 247, the first appearance of the Legion of Superheroes. And that's pretty nice. cool. That's very like cool, it. Very cool. Very cool. Yes. Uh, we then heard from Sean Ross,
0: Secret Wars and Beyond podcast, at Sean42az. And Sean said, Batman 436, the first appearance of Tim Drake, the Greatest Robin.
1: Hmm. Yes as he was a young boy at the circus where Dick Grayson's mm. parents died. Mm. Mm. Yes, uh, that's a good input by Sean Ross, despite a man having two first names. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> right. Uh, we heard from Mansell Art at Art Mansell, and they said uh, the Avengers Annual 10, first appearance of Rogue. There we go. Another, oh, I got another it right. Another vote for that cool. one. Yeah, well done. Nice. Cool. And then over on
0: WaitingForDoom.com on the episode listing for last episode, 168, uh, we heard from JP Rocha, which I'm guessing is Jack Rocha, and they wrote, My favourite debut issue is showcase number 22, Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern. Thank you, Gil Kane, for this lasting design and great art.
1: Uh, Those early early. Hal Jordans had such nice art. It was so crisp Mm. and clean compared to much of the other Silver Age stuff. I dig it. Mm. I dig it. Nice. All right, Mike. Mike, what have you got as your favourite first appearance?
0: I'm going to be really boring and obvious and say My Greatest Adventure 80.
1: I'm not familiar with that one. What's that about?
0: That was an anthology series uh, that DC were putting out way back in the day. And in that issue, issue 80, they introduced a little team called the Doom Patrol. Oh, okay. And they they fought off... uh, uh, a villain who it was also the the villain's first appearance, General Immortus. Um, So it introduced characters like Robot Man, Negative Man, Elastigirl, and uh, the Chief, Niles
1: Calder. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Uh, Uh, Is there somewhere I could go to learn more about the Doom Patrol? uh, Look,
0: if you look them up on DC Comics, if you check out Comixology, uh, if you've got access to a streaming service or HBO or Foxtel here in Australia, uh, they're currently on their third TV season. um really good stuff um i'm assuming you went through a into a time traveling machine and all your doubts and regrets and that turned into tears which just wiped away your memory of them in these last few minutes
1: i don't recall
0: (laughs) are you good or evil i'm guessing i'm guessing you're a bird
1: (laughs) okay <laughs> all
0: right, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to say uh, MGA eighty because without that we would not be here, and I would not have a shelf dedicated to everything that came after that issue,
1: or a so, podcast,
0: yeah, or, or a podcast, or you know, um, our upcoming fan movie uh, where you and I are playing all the roles of the Doom Patrol and the Brotherhood of Evil. we will for that one on YouTube uh, next year, guys. A uh, spoiler warning. Uh, Paul as Rita Far, Chef's Kiss. Um, it's great <laughs> stuff. Mm. You you really excelled in that, Paul. I'm really excited for the rest of the world to see that.
1: Anyway, what's your favourite first appearance? <laughs> um, yeah, this was tough. Uh, I I don't know why I asked this question because I had a lot of trouble answering it. So mm, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of significant first appearances that I think aren't great reads as such Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, I think it all boiled down to uh, I'm going to go with the Demon Volume 2 Annual 2 oh Mm, do you know what that is Mike
0: I'm going to guess that introduces a little someone called Tommy Monaghan aka the Hitman
1: yeah I love that comic I love that character and it's a fun Mm. comic Um, but I mean if I want to go with something more significant um, I really like Detective 474 do you know what that is
0: 474? Oh, hang on. I've got to check if I actually got that one.
1: I'm sure you do.
0: Do I have that one? Um, bear with me one moment, please, whilst I pull up my CLZ app. Because um, I'm not going to go diving through all the shells at the moment. <laughs> we'd, we'd be here forever. No, I don't have 474.
1: <gasps> uh, Alright, clear me in. Why is 474 important? That is the first appearance of the modern Deadshot. Oh, okay, probably nice. A pricey one, probably. Probably, yeah. But I've got that. I've got that on in a frame in a frame on my wall. Oh. yeah. So that's uh, that was during you. the Steve Engelhart Marshall Rogers run, which was all um, Hugo Strange and. You know mm-hmm. stuff going on and people seeing ghosts and uh, silver <laughs> saint clouds, silver saint clouds in those. So. Oh yes, yeah, yes.
0: yeah. Oh yeah, I'm I'm just having a quick sneaky peek on uh, eBay and yeah, that's a little bit of a pricey comic at the moment. Oh.
1: All right. I will swap it for your first Doom Patrol.
0: That's a little bit of a pricey comic at the moment. <laughs> <laughs>
1: apparently apparently my greatest adventure 80 is really hard to get at like there's not many of them floating around i believe
0: i have noticed that there has been quite the price spike in those old issues um just and and it has to be because of the tv show yeah probably Uh, um, yeah there were there were some going for ridiculous prices where, you know, a year or so ago they were nowhere we near that. No, <laughs> they were just like, oh, you know, if you've, if you've uh, you know, if you've, I mean, they were still a little bit priced. But then again, these are like what fifty, sixty something, year, uh, fifty something year old comics, um and they were in good condition, so their prices were fair at the time. And now, no, not anymore. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, I mean, w- one of my earliest Doom Patrol issues—the first appearance of Animal Vegetable Mineral Man, or Vegetable—shut mm. uh, you know. up, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> the, I came by that because I bought some comics on eBay, and someone put that comic in as ballast um, because. Wow. It, yeah, it, it was. It's a fairly tatty copy, but um, I'm sure it's actually worth it now for a tatty copy <laughs> of that comic, just because it's it's so cool. So. Yeah, I didn't even pay for that one. I got it for free in a bag of other comics that I wanted. Nice. Yeah. All right. That's it for the question of the week. What do we do now? We talk about uh, what we're doing next time.
0: Uh, Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so next time on this show... We will be talking about Episodes 9 and 10 of Doom Patrol Season 3, which will be uh, Evil Patrol and then Amends Patrol. So there's going to be some bad stuff going down and then some... Making up making for up. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I kind of hope Laura DeMille doesn't make any... Well, she probably will make some amends, but I think she'll still be an evil bitch. So, yeah. Maybe,
1: maybe the team will eat her head. <laughs>
0: Look, they wouldn't do that again in the same season, surely.
1: <laughs> oh, it could be a new running gag where all the time they're eating people's heads who are their leaders. Mm. Yeah. Yes, all right. Yeah. Um, but like, oh. Okay, I do have a new question of the week. Oh, cool, go for it. Tell me about a dream you've had involving comics. Ooh. That, okay. you don't have to answer now, Mike.
0: Right, no, I'm just trying to think. You've got uh, two weeks we... to
1: have that dream, go.
0: <laughs> I, I may have already had that dream and I don't know if it's suitable for public consumption.
1: Uh. Oh, we've all masturbated on our comics. Oh no, no, we have, no, no, we have not
0: gone that far. Is this a dream you're talking about? Or?
1: Let he who has not masturbated over his comics throw the first spam. <laughs> That's our show, fix.
0: On that note, if you wish to reach out and verbally harass Paul for what he just said, you can, <laughs> you can reach us via Wilfred on Twitter at WFDPod. You can email us at waitingfordoom at gmail.com. You can always leave uh, comments on the Waiting for Doom Facebook page or on our awesome site, waitingfordoom.com. Uh, so as always, thank wait, you, wait, Paul. Wait, wait.
1: Check out, check out, Dial-E for Flanger because I've been killing it, killing it.
0: Yes, he's been killing all his guests and then <laughs> masturbating over his comics.
1: <laughs> what? No. <laughs> no he's a sick sick man that's that's this show i don't do it on that show right right okay there's a fine line is there <laughs> no uh, if you haven't listened to dial if a thing i had karina becco on recently she was fantastic the best guest i talked about transformers with Derek william crab and talked about how i don't know much about them and he knows a lot um mm. and i've got a few more reps planned it's i'm gonna reveal now it's a season of doing of dial f so it won't go forever um yeah, but that'd be it. that's that's what's happening with my other show, and it doesn't even sound like Mike listens.
0: <laughs> the last one I heard was Michael W. Conrad.
1: Oh, okay, cool. So,
0: like I, like I said, I've been busy, man. I've, uh, I've been really busy. Yeah. you know, I, had, I haven't even gotten around to masturbating over my comics yet.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you said that. Oh, that's my, just that's what the bags are for, mate. Oh my
0: god. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, everyone. As always, stay weird. Be good to each other. Don't masturbate over your comics or be a crumb bomb. And we'll catch you next time for more Waiting for Doom. <laughs> no, that's my going to No. <laughs>
1: Oh, stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Or was that a stretch? That was a stretch. Right. (laughs) Oh,
0: Oh, wow.
1: That's inappropriate. You really went inappropriate there, Mike.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we both did, Paul. (sighs) Oh, my Lord. Wow.